And that's part of what youth, uh, youth groups do. It's a time when, when in the busyness of life that you can pause and, and rest. You know, one of the things I, I really enjoy is like when, when Gideon Fellowship goes out to, to, for, for a meal afterwards, everyone has to throw their cell phones in the middle and uh, if anyone answers it, they have to pay for the tip. And it's just that, that moment of, you know what, we're just resting from the world. And maybe the rest of us should throw our cell phones in the middle sometime and just like, yeah, you have to pay for the meal if you try answering it. And people try to call them and stuff. And um, that's what Elam is. Daniel, uh, if you recall, Daniel was a time when uh, he was going to be thrown in the lion's den if, uh, if he didn't do what the king, king said. So one of the uh, things we try to do to, uh, in youth is, is give a sense of courage to just, hey, you know, let's get yourself out of the comfort zone. Let's do something here for God and give you a sense of courage. Um, I remember uh, Joanna uh, last year going to the Sail mission trip, and she was probably like the only person her age to go. And, and it's really hard to say, you know what, none of my friends are going. They're all dissing me to, to do who knows what. I'm going to go, though. And, uh, you know, she didn't go friendless. But um, she went kind of like as the only person there. And it's that kind of courage that, that we hope that, that people might have uh, when they attend uh, youth groups and give, give that. Um, the G stands for Gideon. Now, uh, if you recall, uh, Gideon, Gideon did a lot of things. But one of the things he did was uh, he put out a fleece because he wasn't sure if God wanted him to do something or not. And he said, you know, if it gets wet... Uh, then I'm going to do this thing that you want me to do. Or even more, if everything around the fleece uh, gets wet, I'll do, do, that, do that thing that you want me to do. And it's a sense of, um, the sense of faith that we wrestle with, that, that not everyone who comes is like 100%, yeah, I, I, I know, I'm like, I'm 100% in the faith. That sense of wrestling. And, and we might have like a pickle night where everyone puts in questions of, of deep faith and, you know, kind of like a, a version of Dr. Anderson's talk, except we don't call them pickles. We just call them questions and we give it to Dr. Anderson. So that idea of wrestling with faith and, and finding out who we are in faith. So it's a time for rest. It's a time for, for gaining courage. It's a time to wrestle with faith. And, and that is the, essentially the edge experience. And, and in some ways, I, I hope that's something that adults get to do, too, all those different things, that facets, that, that we have those 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 things for a place for all of us. Um, we have some theme verses that we work through um, in the year, and uh, it's not these exact ones, but uh, so we have the three different groups. We have um, a grade six, seven group named Elam, a grade eight, nine group, which is Daniel, grade 10, 12 group, uh, which again, and we all kind of have verses. So I'm going to ask the readers to, uh, we've got people who are going to read these scripture verses, but I'm going to ask for two things, actually. The reader's going to come up, and I know that some of the youth have kind of like snuck in the back here. I'm going to ask all of you to come to the front, or the people who snuck up in the balcony, come up to the front. No one's going to stare at you. Well, I will. <laughs> but so come on up to the front, and also the Bible readers, can you come on up to up here as well? Yeah, come on, come on up. All right, you in the balcony, you're refusing? Okay. All right. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll go age before beauty or just, just, all right. Do you need a Bible? Oh, you got it. Okay. Um, the first uh, 
scripture passage is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 12. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father the son he delights in. Keeping short, um, this scripture passage is from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. Um, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to those to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The third scripture passage is 1 Timothy 4, 12-16. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the bodies of the elders laid their hands on you. But be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. All right, thanks a lot. Awesome. And, you know, our AV booth is also being run by youth as well. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. It's really hard to, to, to manage all, everything there. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of meditate through these verses today. Um, today I was thinking about youth and youth leaders and thinking about youth in the sense, not of the age sense, but of the sense of uh, youth as in young Christians. Youth in spirit is, is what I'm calling it. And... You know, a, a, somebody who's a youth could actually be of any age, right? You could be like 90 years old, and you could be youth. And I want to talk about youth leaders in spirit, and the ones who lead youth um, when uh, to, to lead younger Christians. And so, you really, it, in, in a kind of crazy, mixed-up way, you can have like a 15-year-old leading a 60-year-old, you know, in both ways. So we're gonna start with youth in spirit. I find when you're new to the faith, there's, there's this transitioning that we have to do. A transition from here to there, um, or there to here. Here being, you know, this belief in God, this growth in, in, in God that we need to do. And there being a different place. And for some people, if you're really a new Christian, it might be that place of, of faith. It might be, I'm not sure I really believe in anything. Or it might be a place of doubt. 
or it may be a place of up and down. Sometimes I sort of kind of believe, or maybe one of these people who said, oh, I feel dead inside. I'm not really feeling it anymore. So you're in that place where I need to move from here to here. And, um, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I thought we could examine this a little bit, uh, a bit more closer. And um, uh, here's uh, the message version of trust the Lord all, uh, with all your heart. So it goes like this. Sorry, the message is like a paraphrased version of the Bible that Eugene Pierce, uh, Peterson did. Uh, so he kind of rewrote the Bible in like a much easier to understand language. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. I like that. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. And I I think that's part of this transition from there to here that that we need to make through our youth and spirit. Listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. I like that too. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. Um, Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. Don't resent his discipline. And Not many times we ask for God to discipline us, but maybe we should do that more often. I'll touch on that in a moment too. It's the children he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all this. So, how do you go from there to here? And um, in Eugene Peterson's uh, translation there, uh, there is this listen to God. How do you listen to God? How do you move from that place of, of unbelief or doubt or, or deadness to, to, to a place that's rich and growing God? Well, I've got a, a few suggestions here. Uh, some that's from uh, Henry Blackaby's uh, Experiencing God. He says you can experience God. Like, one way to move is really to experience God, to know that God is real uh, and personal, to know he exists, to, to be able to say to someone, you know what, God spoke to me this week. You, could, you know, that's one way to really have that move. And, and he gives suggestions like through people, the Bible, prayer, and circumstances. And these are really powerful ways if you're in that place. So, for example, if you're in a place where, like, um, uh, you know, you're, you're in unbelief, uh, you're, you're, right now you're, you're in the place of science, and you're having a, uh, uh, you have to get here from there, well, maybe you should talk to people. Uh, you maybe talk to Pastor John, who's a physicist by trade, and you can ask him, well, how did you go from physics to Christianity, or even Pastor Gilbert, who's, who's an engineer by trade, how did you go from engineering, which is a very scientific, logical step to, to belief and faith. So that, that's one way to, to begin to, to understand how do I experience God. And, and if you're like me, I'm not an emotional person. I haven't cried since, I don't know, since I was a teenager. Um, maybe it's through the Bible, right? Maybe, uh, you know, so, you, so the people go, oh, yeah, I feel God in here. I'm like, all right, man, that's good for you, but not good for me. Um, you know, maybe it's through the Bible that you have to look at Scripture and see if these Scriptures speak to you. Or maybe it's through prayer. And there are different ways to pray. Yesterday, there was the half day of prayer. Maybe it's time for you to say, you know what, I, I need to sign up for this half day of prayer. And maybe God's going to speak to me in a real powerful way there that I've never tried before. 
right? That wasn't for me. I didn't go, but maybe that's for you, right? These are different ways. Circumstances. Thinking about all the different things. You can ascribe everything to coincidences, or you can think about, does God have a hand in this? And I know some people think, well, how do I know it's God versus how do I know it's a real coincidence? My best advice, just ask. God, is that you talking to me right now? Through that circumstance? And God's going to answer. He's going to answer, or maybe it was a coincidence. But that's part of that exploration. The Proverbs that we read uh, have a couple ideas. One is, given hope your wealth. And it is amazing how much you can experience God when your heart starts breaking with what his heart breaks. When, when you know, the song that we sang earlier, the defender of this faith, you know, I, I remember sitting with like Mel when, and talking about that song, tears flowing down, not my eyes because I don't cry, but tears flowing down of, of kids who have been, we were in a circumstance where we are talking about kids who have been hurt beyond belief. And, and when you are in that, that helpless kind of situation of like, I have nothing to do but desperately trust in God, that's one way to experience God when you have, you're just like so helpless and there's nothing left but to trust in God. You know, to give everything you have, to stop saying, I believe in wealth and just like, I want to put my trust in other things. I don't need so much stuff in my life. I don't need... Ten things of this. I might give my stuff away. Wow. And not only give yourself away, but meet people. You know, sure, the Bible says the poor will always be with you, or Jesus said that, but are they? Do you spend time with poor people? When you do spend time with poor people and you start asking why are they poor, you might start thinking, you know what? God has a hand in this, and he has a calling for me, and he is speaking to me, and I'm experiencing him. I love talking to, to, to the youth and hearing, hearing guys like Candace saying, you know what, I talk to homeless people. Hi, Candace. Uh, I've talked to homeless people. And, and, and that pausing and waiting, right? And that like, wow, this is going to change my life. You know, it's, uh, speaking to someone asking for change, you know, we could give them the old brush off or we could talk to them. And that could change your life too. Uh, I love hearing stories with like Aaron Yolanda. <laughs> Where, I don't think Aaron's here, so I can talk behind behind his back. All right. Of, of the, the, talk to Aaron and ask him the time he invited a homeless person to live with him. These are life-changing things. This is the giving. This is God speaking. And, and they're incredible things. The other way is for discipline. And uh, I don't know how many times you pray and say, God, please give me discipline. Discipline me, God. It's a powerful prayer. Because no one likes discipline, right? No one likes bad things happening. And sometimes you've got to think, is something bad happening in your life? And you might think, is it just bad or is God really disciplining me in some way? And you might have to ask, God, are you disciplining me in some way? God, can you give me more discipline? Because I need to be disciplined. I need to be taught through your loving correction how to live. And that's another way to experience God, that powerfulness of saying, you know, God's going to discipline me. And these things that I'm going through aren't just, hey, bad things are happening to me, but God's speaking to me. All right. So I want to pause here to do a prayer, but we're going to sing a prayer. And here's the prayer that we're going to sing. It goes like this. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't control, can't contain, and I can't control. I want more of you, God, 
I want more of you, God. Worship team, come on up here for a sec. And I know a lot of times when we sing, it feels like Christian karaoke, right? Hey, that's a nice song. I'll sing along. Or maybe it's a song you hate. You know, I don't like 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord. So I'm like, I'm not going to sing this song, right? All right. I need you to push that aside. Maybe you're right now you're thinking, uh, what am I having for lunch today? Or I got to run this errand, got to answer that email. Uh, I got to go play that video game. Maybe you're thinking about, like, I don't know, whatever, the meet, a meeting or something. Push all that aside. I'm asking you to put aside. In fact, I'm also going to ask you to push aside your idea of the people standing, uh, sitting next to you. Push them aside. And actually authentically pray. And what you're going to pray or sing at the same time, set a fire down in my soul. And whether you are coming from a place of unbelief, even if you're like, I'm not really sure I believe in God, you can say to God, you know what, I want you to set a fire in my soul that I can't contain, I can't control. I love the part when you could pray to God, I want more of you, God. Even if you've been a Christian all your life, you're a Christian since yesterday, there's nothing wrong with saying, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. There's no place I'd rather be than asking for more of you. And, and if it helps, if you're a kinesthetic learner, uh, you know, I suggest putting, symbolically putting your hand to your heart saying, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I believe God will answer this prayer. If you're in a place where you're there and you're trying to get here, sing to God, set a fire. I can't control. I want more of you, God. Will you stand and sing with me?
yeah, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And those people probably don't even know. Sometimes they don't even know their names. It's like, oh, I remember a, uh, somebody who said something at some church meeting that I went to, and what they said really touched my li- lives. And I, and I go, who is it? And they're like, I don't remember. So it's funny how the, the influences that you have come from who you are, who you are, your role model. And, and just being there, your presence. Sometimes, sometimes it's all just about being there, being a presence. You don't even have to do anything. Just go to the event, and just by being there, you're already being a role model. People are looking at you and going, oh, yeah, I saw him pick his nose. That's bad. No. People are going there and saying, wow, it's not what the person said. It's how that person reacted. You know, and I think about my own contacts and youth leaders. It's not necessarily what we say. I guarantee half the youth probably forget half what we say, like within 10 seconds of youth group being over. What did you learn today? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. But they'll remember the things that we did. They'll remember how the leaders reacted when, you know, they started act- behaving badly. Not that our youth ever behave badly. Okay, they do. But, but they'll remember how you reacted. They'll remember uh, the things that you did. I, how many times have people come up to me and, and said, oh yeah, I have no recollection what you said, but I remember when you threw the Bible at my head. I'm like, oh, sorry, man. Like, so it, it's all about role modeling. Now, I know the common response to this is I don't want to be a role model. And how many times have you heard celebrities say that, that, you know what, I, don't want, I, I didn't want to be a celebrity. I didn't want to be a role model. So what if you're tired of being a role model? All right, what if you're like, no, I don't want to be a role model. Sorry, I forgot a slide. So uh, one of the things I did was I looked up uh, different ways of, um, of translations of 1 Timothy 4.12, and here are some different ones. The one that stuck out to me, and I'm sorry, I forgot what translation translated this, this way, was sincere and constant belief. And, and I believe that uh, youth, youth and spirit, people who are, who are new Christians, so to speak, all they want is to see sincere and constant belief. More than anything else, just that constant belief, that sincere and constant belief. Um, so I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here, Henry, but like when, when I talk to um, Henry Liu's sons, one of the things they say, who's your role model? They go, my dad, because he just prays every morning, reads the Bible. That sincere and constant belief. You know, he's made an influence in his children's lives by his actions. Um, and his Bible reading and praying in the morning isn't to his children. It's, it's him. He's, he's, he has that sincere and constant belief. Uh, so if you're having problems with your, your children, maybe that's where a place to start is that sincere and constant belief. Do you see that sincere and constant belief in your heart? Okay, back to my other point about um, role models. So lots of people don't want to be role models. Like, I don't want to be, role, I don't want to be a role model. I'm tired of being a role model. Uh, I'm weary I don't want to be a spiritual leader, all right? Um, I have compassion fatigue. I'm tired of being nice to people all the time because that's what church is supposed to do. I'm tired of putting on the mask, saying, hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. I'm tired of people looking at me and thinking, oh, yeah, I have to be like that person there and have to maintain errors and pretend like I'm like, okay, all right? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go to another church event. I hate going to the basement after the service is over when everyone's talking in groups and I have to shake hands and, 
and make happy and I really don't care and I really hate that person. I'm trying to avoid them anyway. But they said hello. So I said, hi, how are you? Welcome back. This is Tiffany. You know, like that kind of stuff. Just kidding. We're all good. All right. Um, and Charlotte, too. <laughs> um, so what, what if you're, you're in that frame of mind, all right? You're still a spiritual leader. I hate to say this, but you're still going to be a, uh, a youth leader in spirit, even if you are tired of being nice, tired of doing nice things. You are still a spiritual leader. What do you do if you're tired of going to event after event after event and putting on the mask, putting on the airs, pretending? Well, here's a different trans- transition from there to here again. And for this, I, I look upon Isaiah. To, um, even youths grow tired and weary, but young men stumble and fall. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Uh, they'll, they'll run and not grow weary, they'll walk not in faith. And again, I looked up different translations of, of this. Um, the transition here, I think, is that we have to transition from thinking it's all about me to thinking it's about God. If you have that compassion fatigue, that mass, I'd just say drop the mass. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to have that sincere belief. You just, you just got to go, you know what? I just want to believe in you, God. That's all I want to do. And if I mess up, if people look at me and see my faults, that's it. You know, so take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. That's from the song Mighty to Save. That, that idea of, I just want to give it to you. And so some of the tra- translations I, I looked at was, uh, what does hope in the Lord mean? What does renew their strength mean? That hope is that waiting, that expectation. And that patience uh, of saying, you know what? I'm just going to wait for the Lord. I'm just going to hope in him. And if people say you may mess up, that's fine. If, if they see me grumpy, if they see me non, like, not cheerful and I don't want to be conversing, then that's fine. And, and the best, best translation I saw was renew their strength. Change where you get your strength from. It's not on me. I don't want to show my strength on my own behalf. Not like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Okay. It's not that, that in yourself that I'm going, oh, dig in, dig deep. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm having a really crappy day. Don't talk to me, please. It's okay. You could say that. You could say that in the church basement, in fact. All right? It's okay. You don't have to be cheerful all the time. And um, it's that changing your strength to saying, the only thing we really need to do is rely on Jesus putting our trust in Jesus. We can't let things define who we are. We can't let other people define who we are. We just have to say, I trust in Jesus. That's it. And then God will take us from there. And whether we're grumpy, whether we're unhappy, whether you know we have a new child and that child's made us stay up all night and now I don't feel like 10 people crowding around asking us, oh, how does it feel to be a parent? Um, just like, can you stop asking that question, please? You know, I'm just here, right? Sorry, Liam and Carol up there with their babies. How's it feel to be a parent? <laughs> I'll ask you again later. All right. Um, I want to uh, finish off with a uh, something that happened a few months ago. And uh, for some of you, this something was something terrible. For, I'd say, about 75% of you, it's like, hmm, 
I don't know. I, I don't know why you're crying about that. But the rest of us, people like me, this was like a dagger through our heart, a punch to our stomach. So I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to explain the picture. So can you put the picture up? <laughs> All right. Super Bowl 49, February 1st, 2015. The Seattle Seahawks are playing the New England Patriots. There they are on the one-yard line. So they have to get the ball this far into the end zone, and they will win the championship. Okay. The score, as you can see, is New England 28, Seattle 24. Time is 24 seconds left. The person you see to your far left, number three, his name is Russell Wilson, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. So if they score here, they're pretty much going to win the Super Bowl. So to the bottom left, number 83, running a slant right to the middle of the field, they're throwing the ball, even though common sense says you give it to the guy called Beast Mode, but um, is uh, Ricardo Lockett. So, he, so here's what's going to happen. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson's going to throw the ball to the middle. Uh, Ricardo Lockett's going to catch it. He's going to run the end zone. He's going to score a touchdown, and Seattle's going to win the Super Bowl, and we all celebrate. We're all happy, right? No, that's not true. The guy wearing white at the bottom right of your screen, his name is, uh, oh, Jesus, first name, Malcolm Butler. And he's going to come and intercept the ball. So, uh, those of you who don't know football, he's going to take the ball away from the team in blue. And uh, the bad guys win. And us Seahawks fans cry and talk about it for the next, like, ever, forever. And if you, uh, they call this a stomach punch loss. It feels like you've been punched in the stomach. Um, so, that's as a fan. This is just me as a football fan. I feel like I've been hit in the stomach. Imagine them as players. Imagine Russell Wilson as a player. Okay, number three, he's the guy who's going to throw the interception, who's going to lose it for his team, right? Uh, he thought, you know, at this very moment, it sure looks like a good, good, good throw. He's like, everything looks bright. But within seconds, boom, his life just went way down, right? Would you not say it was like a complete, terrible, terrible ending? And I don't know if you've ever had that situation in your life where you're, you're, you're Christian, things are going well, and then something happens, and boom, just like total disaster. Well, after the game, and the day uh, after, uh, Russell Wilson put a steady stream of tweets. And here are some of his tweets I want to share with you. This is what he wrote. This is like, like, remember, this is like right after the game. Thank you, God, for the opportunity. We'll be back. I will never waver on who he has called me to be. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Every setback has a major comeback. At 26 years old, I won't allow one player one moment to define my career. I will keep evolving. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. And, and indeed, that next Tuesday, he was back at uh, Seattle Children's Hospital in the cancer ward meeting with the uh, children after such a devastating loss. And I thought about this, thinking about where... You know, I could, I don't know Russell Wilson, obviously. I'm, I'm presuming from his tweets he's a Christian. Um, you know, where is his place? Here's, here's this so-called role model facing the most devastating loss of his career, but saying, you know, I'm not going to let this define who I am. I'm going, in fact, I'm going to thank God for you just even being the, having an opportunity to mess up. You ever say that? Thank you, God, for having the opportunity to mess up. Thank you, God. I won't allow one thing to define who I am. You're who, you're who called me to be who I am. That's the most important thing of all. That, that, that transition thing. I'm going to be calling God. 
And then I'm going to let, you know, my actions define who I am. I'm just going to keep trusting God, no matter how much compassion fatigue I have. We're going to finish off with another song that's called Christ is Enough. And let me read, read some of the lyrics. Worship team, come on up. It goes like this. Christ is my reward and all of my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy. Through every trial, my soul will sing. No turning back. I've been set free. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Christ, my all in all, the joy of my salvation. And this hope will never fail. Heaven is our home. Through every storm, my soul will sing. Jesus is here. To God be the glory. So I want to raise a challenge to you today. That during this time when we sing Christ is enough, if it's in your spirit, raise your hand and say, you know what? Christ is enough for me. That's all I ever really need. Christ is enough for me. I'm just going to put my trust on him, let everything else go. I, 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 I've deci- you know, you're saying, when you raise your hand, you're saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. I'm going to put my trust in something that matters. That's Jesus. That's Christ. And it's enough for me. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. And it's okay. It's okay to be who you are. Are you ready to commit yourself to Jesus Christ? Are you, enough, are you ready to say, Christ is enough for me? Let's sing, Christ is enough.